the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And I'm joined here today by a very special guest. Unfortunately, James isn't able to join us today. He's got family commitments, but that's okay because I've got one hell of a substitute. Um, I'm talking about Mr. Simon Collins from the Evening Standard, who covers mostly Arsenal-related uh, news. Um, it's incredible to have you here with me this afternoon, Simon. Thanks for making the time to join us. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. No, thank you for your time. I know you're a very busy man and um, we tried to schedule this in a few weeks ago. And I stupidly <laughs> asked you, asked you, forgetting that we were in the midst of a crazy um, transfer <laughs> window that has come to an end. Finally, um, we can now start to look at the football and concentrate on the important things um, like how this group of players are going to get together and try and get some points going for us because um, uh, and up until yesterday, we were, you know, rock bottom. Um, how, how do you summarise? I mean, now that the window's finally over, um, give me your kind of your conclusive thoughts on the window, how the club have done now that we've seen all the business and is there anything that they could have done better potentially? Yeah, I mean, I had to do... Um... I did a piece of work a couple of weeks ago where we were sort of assessing, you know, each of our clubs transfer windows and how we thought they did it. And for Arsenal, I, I think I ended up giving them, I think I gave it a B minus in the end or maybe a C plus. Um, I kind of feel like the incomings, um, I think they did a, did a relatively good job. I don't think there were any areas other than maybe bringing in, in, in a striker where you could say they didn't get the bodies in the door that you needed to do. I think right back was the one where we didn't think they were going to get it done. They left very late, did get them in. You could argue maybe they could have upgraded in central midfield, but I don't think the money was there for Xhaka to get him out the door and then replace him. So in terms of incomings, for me, it was, it was you know, a green tick and, and, and well done. The issue was um, the outgoings. And I think that was always where they expected to have problems. Uh, you know, if you speak to people in the game, to the agents, they were sort of, Early on in the summer, there, there was this belief that if we had a, a mega money transfer, a Grealish, a Kane, a Haaland, that that money would then trickle down the market and it would accelerate those deals around the 10, 15, 20 million pounds. And we didn't really get that mega deal that people thought they were going to get and the money didn't trickle down and Arsenal struggled to get players out the door. So I think that's what brings their grade down a bit. But overall, I think it was a pretty successful window. Um I think the one area where they might look back on and wonder could we have done something different is in the striking situation. But again, it's like with midfield, there wasn't the offers coming in for Lacazette and with Nketiah, you know, that was all done with 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 Palace and it broke down on, on personal terms. So overall, I think they'll be pretty happy. I think the key, you know, was getting players in and the squad is better. I think we saw that against Norwich. There is better players for Arteta to work with now. Mm. And then talking on outgoings, um, we obviously heard a lot from Edu who did the media rounds um, almost immediately after the window closed I don't know whether it was because to save face or to try and um, limit the amount of frustration fans were giving off uh, but I agree with you I think that the window itself was relatively successful in the sense that they covered most of the positions that they wanted to if you had asked fans uh, at the end of the last season what needed to be covered what did we need to get in the market in order to sort of start this rebuilding project they would have said a right back a backup goalkeeper a center back a center mid um a striker i mean my number one priority would have been a striker um and 
yeah, I mean, we, I mean, like you said, a centre mid and a striker would have been the two that would have completed this window and made it a great window. Having said that, though, majority of the signings are below the age of 23. And Edu made the point of raising that up quite a few times. Um, judging by his responses to um, the critics and the critiques that he's, he's been given, he's been having to hear for the last six weeks, but more so in the last week of the window. Um, are, you, are you buying this project, this re- project kind of restart um, or this project youth? I mean, whatever you want to call it, the, we, we are, as he said, at the midway point. Do you think he has justified himself with all the activities that they've done up until this point? I mean, I think this this project, um, and I think it's been it's been discussed by a few people. I've just chatting to a few other journalists about it, and then it kind of feels like a project that is being done out of necessity rather than choice. I, I don't think you would get realistically clubs who are competing for titles and at the top of the league saying, "Look, we're just going to sign young players." You know, you look at the example of how Chelsea have conducted their business, United. Um, Manchester City, they go out and you sign the top players. I think this is this change in tact from Arsenal is where they are. And they've realised they can't do what they've done before. And, and I don't really buy that this was a project that's been in the work for years, because if you look at last summer's window, you know, bringing in Willian um, and windows before that, they've been trying to get those final pieces to just jump from, you know, being fifth, sixth to get back in the top four. Whereas, now they've fallen and I think they've taken the decision out of necessity that you've got to rebuild the squad. Um, and and I, like, I like the strategy. I think you can debate the execution of it in terms of the players they've got and you can argue that. I don't think you can debate that they haven't executed a strategy. It's very clear they've done that. All the players are 23 or under. Um, and for me, this will be the decisive window, uh, window for Edu. I don't think so far he has done enough to to win over supporters. Um, And I feel like this window and these six players, given their ages and the belief in the club is that these guys are going to be there for, you know, four or five, potentially longer. Mm. Um, This is going to be the window he's going to be judged on, I think. And it's very much juries out because I I don't get the feeling with supporters that if Arteta was to go, they'd be like, oh, we've got to keep Edu. He needs to stay in charge. I think supporters would very much be thinking, those to repair and if one goes then the other goes yeah 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 um you know we we heard it a lot when Arteta got promoted to manager he was working very closely with Edu um yeah and you're bang on the money to say you know the jury's out but we are at a pivotal pivotal stage now where there is no excuses I mean the players that they've got now are their players uh there's nothing to say that you know in comparison to last season where they didn't have a preseason, it was in the middle of the pandemic and to say that they didn't have enough windows. Um, now they've pretty much got their squad sorted and we got a glimpse of it yesterday. Um, give me your kind of overall reaction to what I would describe as quite an impressive performance but not an impressive scoreline yeah I, th- I think Arsenal deserved um, deserved to win by more and, and I'm, I'm not a huge advocate of XG but I think it was something like 2.6 or mm. something so it should have been sort of 3-0 which 
I think it was justifiable. I think Tim Krull had a pretty good game. I'm, 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 most Arsenal fans are used to a keeper turning up and having the you know the day of their careers at the Emirates, and he he didn't quite have that, but he made a few good saves, particularly from Smith Rowe later on. I think what we saw, the main thing I, f- I felt different to the other games, particularly defensively, was just a bit more of a sense of sense of calm. I remember doing that Brentford game on the opening night of the season, and. I mean, I've, I've, Bern Leno, I've, I've been a big advocate, advocate of his before this season, really. Um, but I kind of felt on that opening night, he was just sort of exuding panic and it was spreading around that back four who didn't really gel, didn't look like much of a unit. Whereas I felt against Norwich, admittedly, they're going to get tested by, you know, much greater attacks. Ramsdale, I felt, you know, was calm, composed, mm-hmm particularly the centre-backs, Gabriel and White, I think they look like a very nice pairing. I think from Ben White, what I remember from him at Brighton was that he looked good next to Dunk and Webster, who are two big boy centre-backs who want mm-hmm. to head the ball, want to get stuck in. And I feel like he needs to destroy an exit. And I think Gabriel gives them that. And having Tommy Asu on the other side is an even bigger benefit because mm-hmm. he's got another big boy next to him to sort of do the dirty work. And the best bit from White's game was when he was coming out with the ball. I remember he did one ding ball over the top to Tam- Tomiyasu. He did one sort of inside pass. And yeah, I just felt it was more, just more calm and composed and solid and, and even greater so when Party came on, on the pitch. And as much as these new signings were needed, 100%, I think Party is going to be vital this season. And, you know, I mean, Arteta said he's got to be the boss. And when he came on, you could just see the level of quality go up on on the pitch. So yeah, it was it was um, a solid performance. It was it was mostly about the result yesterday, just to get mm-hmm. that monkey off the back. But I felt coming away from that, I could see how if you were Arteta, you'd start to think, okay, right, I, I can see some green shoots here, and I, and there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Yeah, um, before we get into, I guess, the meat of the the Norwich game, um, there are a few questions that people want answered, but I want to talk about the starting eleven and the system that Arteta went for. I mean, there was a lot of talk when Tommy Asu signed for us uh, about the potential system that Arteta was going to play, whether it was going to be a free at the back or continue continuation of the 4-2-3-1. Um, we saw yesterday it was on sheet of 4-2-3-1. We know that most likely in possession, it will probably be a free or yeah, or maybe sometimes even a two. I mean, Tierney's, you know, we know what we know what Tierney does when we're in possession and we got a glimpse of what Tommy can or maybe going forward what he'll, what he'll be required to do. Um, but on paper, tell me your kind of your reaction to um, the starting 11. Were there any surprises for you? Um, the biggest surprise for me was seeing Maitland-Niles there. Um, I mm. really believed that we would see Party and Sambi there. But um, Arteta really stuck his on the line to put Maitland-Niles there, especially with all the kind of hoo-ha that went around um, <laughs> during the, the last few days of the window. Yeah, that, that Maitland-Niles one was the one that, that shocked me. I just assumed Party was going to come straight back in. But I think there was a bit of an acceptance at the club and a realisation that well, as much as that was a big game, against Norwich party is going to be vital this month the last thing you want to do is rush him back and you know Burnley away is exactly the sort of game you want Thomas Party for North London Derby the week after so I think they handled that really well Arsenal actually just you know 
giving him 30 minutes, easing back in. Um, but putting Maitland-Niles in the area, yeah, really big move. And, I, and when the team came out, obviously there was a bit of debate, you know, is it a 3-4-3? Three, three? Is it four two three one? 2 um, I think they'd been work. I was sure it was going to be a back four. I think Tommy Asso had been, he only got to train for half a day, but in that session he was playing as a, as a right back. So that gave me the, the thought that they were going to do that. And then giving Maitland-Niles that central midfielder, I don't know if that was a bit of, like you said, there's been a lot of talk around Maitland-Niles, hasn't there? There's been so much yeah. chatter and everything. And it felt like yesterday that Arteta went, here you go, look, you can play central midfield for Arsenal in a Premier League game. Go and show me what you're about. And personally, for me, I didn't really feel that Maitland-Niles took that opportunity, particularly when he was next to Lekonga and you saw how Lekonga, you know, thrived. And I just didn't really see that from Maitland-Niles. And I still think his best position is when he had that great six months for Arsenal as a wing-back. Mm. Um, as for the rest of the team, I, I kind of felt like it it picked itself. I was a bit surprised to see Tommy Asu in there. I think he, he did half a day's training, so... Um, he did a great job though. It was fantastic, yeah, he was wasn't brilliant, he? I thought. I mean, what 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 that says about the other right backs, um, I don't know. But yeah, I thought he did really well. And he seems, yeah, just I think having a bit more balance between the left and the right backs. We all know how good Kieran Tierney is, how mm. much he offers Arsenal. But for so long, teams have been able to just basically not worry about Arsenal's right flank and just focus on dealing with Tierney. Um, mm. And it finally felt like there was a bit of two-pronged attack. And then, there was a, that moment just before half time where Tommy Asu was coming in at the back post. That I think will be what we will see most from him. I think Tierney's still going to be the one, you know, getting to the byline, getting balls in. I think Tommy Asu will be that back post threat, six foot two, coming in, causing problems. Um, mm. And very promising. Yeah. So, yeah, an interesting team. But as always, you know, Arteta springs to surprise. And then, of course, the last one was Aaron Ramsdale. Um, yeah. I think we all know that one day he is going to be the Arsenal number one. Um, but I didn't, I wondered if Arteta would throw him in for this game because it was quite a good opportunity to after that defeat, but he's thrown him in there quicker than I think we thought. And I thought Ramsdale did really well. I thought he really took his chance. And for me, I would keep him for Burnley and, and then mm. put Leno back in for the, for the Carabao Cup. Yeah, well, look, two clean sheets out of two. And yeah, you're right. You know, that was another really real shocker. I mean, what I usually do when I get the start in 11 is I cover the whole team sheet with my hands. So I don't <laughs> see anyone else's. And the first name I saw was Rams. I was thinking, wow, that is a statement. That is a statement. Mm. And we did, we did have a question about it, about whether putting Ramsdale in was almost like a statement of intent to say, you're going to be our number one. Um, and I guess the only way that I could have justified that transfer, that huge sum of money that we paid for him, for him was knowing that Leno is going to be moved on next season and allowing him to settle himself this season, try and get as many games under his belt um, playing teams like Norwich with all due respect to them, getting getting those minutes under his belt and then next season being, you know, put into the deep um, into the deep end. And I, th- I thought he, he did really well. There was that one moment where he got the ball and not sure where it was Pookie, um, but he just kind of sidestepped away from him and he made it look so composed and cool and calm. And I love to see that in a goalkeeper. And I guess the one difference um, that I noticed about Arsenal yesterday that I haven't seen in a very long time is how comfortable they looked at the back and how reassured they looked as well. And I felt reassured as well. I was kind of sat back on my seat and more relaxed than I would if, for example, Leno was there with Holding and Mari. Um, the boys at the back were really, really 
um, kind of in sync with each other. And, you know, hats off to them for doing so well, having played so little with one another. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was um, just sticking with the system is how kind of versatile um, this the this group of player players can be. Um, you know, you made the point about Maitland-Niles having his preferred position as not preferred, sorry, having his best performances as a, as a wing back um, with, with Tommy Yasu, you've got someone who can play as a right-sided center back. We have got, um, we, we've got a lot of options now, haven't we? I mean, one of the, one of the things that really annoy me when, whenever we play any side is that we're so easy to suss out. It's almost, you know, you know what system Arsenal are going to play without, I'll say putting the names up on the board, but now there are options to kind of um, interchange. It doesn't need to be a four-two-three-one. It doesn't need to be, uh, you know, the 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 usual suspects. Now going forward, looking ahead to Burnley, Wimbledon, and Spurs, um, teams are going to be scratching their heads a little bit, thinking, right, we kind of, you know, we're not quite sure what what what, what they're going to do now. Yeah, and, and I think for Arteta. Um, his ideal player are players who are tactically astute, very technical players. And some of the stuff I think is why it has taken a time and why it is difficult is because he does demand a lot of them tactically in terms of, you know, we talk about it, how sometimes it moves to a back three, you know, occasionally you'd get Xhaka dropping in to make a back three. Tommy Asu can come in and play in there, Tierney bombing on. So there is a lot of, interchanging and people have to be quite fluid in what they do. So mm. I think now he has that in the sense that before sometimes you looked at areas and I think the right back one is, is the perfect example because I think the club, and this is my opinion, will looked at that position and thought we've got enough there to get by for six months, you know, maybe to January, maybe to maybe even to next summer with Cedric, Callum Chambers, Mate Niles, um, but it became quite clear to me that in the first, you know, two, three games, that that was just an area where things were breaking down and the, and the balance in the team wasn't there. And that's just by having one, you know, square peg in a round hole, the system didn't work. So you need to have 11 players who are fluid, who can operate well. And having just, you know, Tommy Esther in there makes a difference. So I feel like now, yeah, you're right. They have got players who are interchangeable. He is going to have the option of in-game, of being able to shift players around if, you know, wants to go more attacking. And I quite like the way they actually sort of finished up where I wonder if it could be a system that you do, particularly against if you're playing a team like Norwich, where you basically just had party as the anchor in midfield and you had Smith Rowe and Odegaard playing as two number eights, um, really attacking, driving the ball forward. Something we haven't really seen much of, but if you've got players who are good enough to do that, you can mm. chop and change and you can be fluid and flexible. So yeah, that is a major plus point. Mm. Um and it'd be interesting to see what what he goes with at Burnley next week because again that is a different type of opposition and that will be a very different game to Norwich because we know what an away trip to to Burnley is like. Yeah, here's a question. Here's a question for you: Is it wise or do you think Arteta is going to be doing himself a favour um, by having this double-edged sword of you know being able to play different systems? Um, we know that. The signings we've made are all under 23. Will it do them, you know, the world of favours by 
allowing them to play in so many different types of systems or it, I don't know. I just, I just, uh, you know, I think about players like Martinelli and the fan base screaming out for him to play as a center forward. And I've always stuck to this kind of point of perfect, get him to perfect his role as a winger before you then shift him out as a striker. Um, and now that we've got, you know, your Tommy Asus who, Granted, he has played centre-back and as a right-back, but we know how brutal the Premier League can be. It only takes one poor performance or one mistake for, you know, the whole house of cards to, to collapse. So does Arteta stick with this 4-2-3-1 and perfect it and make sure that everyone has solidified their role? Or does he kind of bend the rules slightly and, you know, be flexible and allow them to sort of express themselves Ex- express themselves um, in a number of different systems. Yeah, I think you've got to have a, a limit to it, obviously. Um, but I do think there is no harm for a degree of flexibility. And and someone like Smith Rowe, I think, has is has that in his arsenal. Where we you know we saw he came on yesterday and was playing as number eight, can play as a ten, he can play out wide. Um, and what it just gives, it just gives you options, I think. And I think sometimes you can otherwise be, you know, you can just stagnate and struggle to find a way of breaking a team down if if you're regimented to where you can play players and how you can use them and get them on the pitch. Because at the end of the day, it is about getting your best players on the pitch in the way you can. And if they are more flexible and tactically shoot, and that's going to be much easier. Uh, I think going forward, um, the interesting thing will be with, players nailing down where they see themselves in this team. Martinelli is, is a really interesting one. I think long-term, I still think Arteta and people at the club believe he will become a centre-forward. Mm. Um, but there is, it is very rare that you have a young centre-forward in the Premier League who goes straight in and plays up front, particularly now in the modern era where you play as a solo striker. You know, Think of Theo Walcott and lots of players who, who start out wide and before moving middle. It's just it's less physical if you're playing out wide in the Premier League than if you are playing as a centre forward. I mean, just look at Balogun's experience against Brentford. You know, that was a pretty brutal lesson for him. Yeah. That's what life is like as a centre forward. So I don't think there's any harm in Martinelli playing out wide to start with. But it's interesting and it's and it's nice, I think, for us to, us to be able to have these debates about yeah. where you're fitting these players in. Whereas before, you know, the debate among fans was, well, who on earth are we going to put there? Yeah. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about the game. Uh, it's a good sort of transition um, because we we generated a hell of a number of opportunities on goal, 30 shots, seven on target. And I don't know about you, but I, I felt like the strongest performance came in the first half, in the first sort of 25, 30 minutes. Um, we saw a very kind of aggressive, bullish Arsenal side really looking to prove a point, but doing it in some style. Um, we see it on and off. And that's, I guess that's the, the most frustrating thing about this squad is we know how much quality is there. We know how kind of, um, how, how, how fast their mentality fluctuates from being the first to the ball, from pressing high on, from playing with, uh, you know, a level of intensity to kind of dropping off. Think of thinking about the games this season already 
against teams like City. Um, I distinctly remember the the moment where Edison had the ball for about 15 seconds and it took that amount of time for Saka to then apply some pressure. But yesterday, it was the complete opposite. We saw a team in sync. We saw a team playing with rhythm. Um, I, I thought, you know, certainly in that first half, actually in the second half as well, um, Odegaard for me really kind of stuck out as someone who um, injects all the creativity that's been missing in this squad. But for all the opportunities that we're creating, we're just not being clinical enough up front. And is this something that's going to come back to bite us? Um, not having bought a centre forward because, you know, not, not so far down the road, we had earlier on um, Crystal Palace absolutely wallop Tottenham. Um, congratulations to... Uh, the one and only Patrick Vieira for doing that. Um, but, you know, with with Odson Edward coming in for a really, really, really reasonable price, they've got themselves a bargain as it looks at the minute. Um, and Arsenal kind of just depending on the likes of Aubameyang, Lacazette, Balogun and Ketia, is that enough for us to get the goals? Um, because Aubameyang had a good few opportunities. He should have scored potentially a couple at least. Um, what, what do you think we're going to see from someone like Aubameyang? And also, where do you think the goals are going to come from? Are we going to be seeing your Aubameyangs and Lacazette scoring 20 goals a season? Or do you think the main sources of goals will come from elsewhere? And I point towards the likes of Saka, Pepe, Odegaard, Mill Smith Rowe, et cetera? Mm, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be huge for Arsenal. And for me, it's quite simple. If if Aubameyang has a good season, Arsenal will have a good season. And mm. if he doesn't, I think Arsenal won't have a good season. I think it is that simple. He is, you know, your number nine, your main man, your captain. And if he's firing, Arsenal will fire. Um, it looks so far to me. I think it's different to the Aubameyang we saw last season. I still don't think he's quite on it, quite sharp, quite right. But I remember watching games last season. I was like, he's not even touching the ball here. He's 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 just, he's just a passenger here. Whereas yesterday, you know, you said it there yourself. He was missing chances. He is getting in positions now that last season I was thinking like he's just there's nothing coming to him here. He's not getting involved. Whereas now I feel like there is that sharpness back, and he's getting in the area. And, you know, his goal was a case in point. It's one of those classic, you know, talked about Ronaldo's, you know, against Newcastle, those tapping yeah. goals. That's what you want from your centre forward. So that, for me, gives some hope going forward. The rest of the team, um, I think it's something Arteta's mentioned before about the need for goals from those players behind Aubameyang. And it's difficult because that is the next step for your Sackers, your Smith Rose it's a big jump to take when you are, and I can remember Raheem Sterling when he was coming on the scene, was mm. this brilliant, exciting prospect, attacking winger, causes problems. Eventually, when he got to City, coincidentally working with Arteta as a coach, he became a 20-goal-a-season wide player, you know. And that is what Saka and Smith-Rowe, they need to slowly be adding goals to their game. Not loads, but if they can finish this season with seven, eight goals, that is the sort of step they need to be taking when you want to move from a good attacking player to, you know, a great attacking player. It's having those goals in your game. And I saw it a bit. Smith Rowe missed a good chance. It was a good save from Tim Krull. Yeah. Saka, a few moments where he's getting in. If, if those players can start chipping in with the goals, that is what will make the big difference. Because all the good teams, you can look at, you know, the Liverpools now, Cities now, even think back to that Arsenal's Invincibles team. Yes, you had your Omri, 
but you had your Pires, your Lundbergs chipping in with those 15 goals a season and Arsenal will need those players to do that. And the one who I thought before the start of the season would be doing it is Nicola Pepe. Um, I actually thought he was quite good yesterday. I thought he came sort of in and out of the game. He, he did drop a bit, which he can do, but he made things happen. He was exciting. Um, and he's someone I think, if I was going to put money on being the second top goal scorer after Bamiyam, I think it would be Pepe because I think he's got that in his locker if mm-hmm. he can get going. Um, sticking on Pepe, last season we saw him interchanging between a right winger and a left winger. Um, I'm still inclined to believe that we will see the best of Pepe potentially on the left-hand side. What do you think? Because I I get the impression that with Pepe on the left-hand side, you know what you're going to get. And if me and you know what we're going to get, I'm sure uh, (laughs) the defender up against him is going to know what what he's going to get. Um, most likely try to cut in or, you know, run down the byline or try and get past him one way or another. Um, Is Pepe good enough to kind of cement that right-hand side position or does he favour himself better on the left-hand side where he can be more direct and he doesn't need to worry about stopping, shimmying, um, slowing down the momentum. There's a lot more directness um, I, I, I see with Pepe on, on the left-hand mm. side. Yeah, I, I think Pepe is best when he has that moment where he just has head down and he just goes. Mm. Um, and I can remember watching Walcott when he was playing for Arsenal and you're infuriating yourself being like, you are so quick. You are the quickest man on this pitch. Just go. You'll be gone past him. And mm-hmm. Pepe at times beats a man and then beats him again for the sake of beating him. Um <laughs> I, I still think he might be best on the right. And I think he's been a bit of a victim of not having a settled right back behind him. I think he has really struggled with that. You know, we've, we talk about the issues at right back and we don't take into account what that's doing further up the pitch. And for Pepe, he's had you know, Cedric behind him, Callum Chambers, Hector Bellerin, all these different, uh, Maitland-Niles at times, all these different players behind him. He hasn't been able to form a proper relationship and understanding yeah. with someone. And I think once he gets someone settled behind him, I think we could see a bit more of him. Um, I do like him on the left as well, but I wonder if you have him on the left, is he just sometimes taking away from what, what Kieran, Kieran Tierney likes to do, which is getting to the byline and getting the ball in. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting one. I personally, if I was picking my, you know, quote unquote cup final team tomorrow, I'm not sure I would have Nicola Pepe in it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the three I would have would be Saka Wright, Odegaard middle and Smith row left um, with a Bamiang through the middle but it's a, it's an interesting one and I think Pepe is quite unique in that squad which is why I think he's quite an important player I don't think we've got anyone else like him I don't think any other teams in the league have really anyone like him he's so you just jack in the box mm. you know a wild card player um, but yeah I think if he gets a settled right back which looks like he might do now with Tommy Asu um, we could start to see a bit more from him and this is this is really a season where he's got to deliver, isn't it? You know, he's had two two seasons of, of settling in, change of coach, change of system. Now you feel like this is the time where you want to start seeing him him deliver. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are a number of players like that who we're kind of banking on to see the best of them. Um, I look at players like Odegaard who at the kind of age that he's at, at you know, the, the, the kind of career trajectory that he's had, you would look at someone like him and think this is the season that might be the kind of 
the season that that makes makes him almost um, plays that Saka and Emil Smith Rowe as well. And I guess that leads me to uh, discussing about the Arsenal mentality and the development of their mental state from what we've been witnessing for the last 10, 15 years. Um, where are we now with this kind of mental state, this this kind of weak, fragile frame of mind in game? Um, because I'm not sure whether you noticed it, but I felt like in parts of the game, uh, the latter stages of the second or the first half, um, bits of the second half as well, we did drop off a little bit and we did allow Norwich to get back in the game. And I understand that's just part of the game. You get moments where, you know, you, you, you hold most of the possession, then the opposition have has most of the possession and kind of interchanges. Um, but did you, did you notice any kind of lapses of concentration or anything to suggest that, right, we're going to be in trouble if we perform like this against any other side. With, you know, with all due respect to Norwich City, um, it looks like they will probably go back down to the championship. I know it's too early to tell, but if you're comparing squads, um, theirs do look the weakest, um, or one of the weakest. But if we were to play, you know, Newcastle United or even a Burnley next week, um, does this Arsenal side have enough inside their heads to be able to get past that mental block that we witnessed against City? Mm. I mean, that has always been the uh, the question we've asked asked about Arsenal, and I think the thing I, I find with Arsenal is that they are inconsistent in the way they perform, and they're inconsistent within games. Like they can go through. You know, I think that that West Ham game last season um, at the London Stadium is probably the most prime example of like how can your performance fluctuate so wildly that in mm-hmm. the space of forty five minutes, you know, I think Arteta was saying afterwards, sort of tearing his hair out at it, and that is their issue. It's about consistency because the, the talent is there, certainly in a, a number of those players in the squad. It's about being able to reproduce it and perform at a consistent level and we're going to find out what, what the men, the mentality of them is over these next few weeks, because this is when they're really under pressure to get a result. And I did think they dipped a bit yesterday. I don't think it's any coincidence that Arsenal's best ever runs were where there was a break in between every half and you could have a mini coaching debrief. You yeah. know, every 22 minutes, Mikel would come on and Arsenal would look almost just reinvigorated after those coaching breaks. I remember everyone saying like, we need to keep these water breaks because I don't know what, what's going on, but maybe it was just a refocus that Arteta would get with just those two, three minutes. Um, but there are players who I think will start to change the mindset and start to change the way the club operates. I think Aaron Ramsdale is going to be a big part of that. He was incredibly vocal yesterday. Mm. He is that sort of personality. He is a big personality. Um, and Martin Odegaard, I think, will be the key one in terms of he for me is basically he's Arteta on the pitch. Essentially, he is the technical leader of that team. He coordinates the press. He dictates the pace of the play, the pace of the passing, the tempo. 
And it was telling that when Aubameyang scored that goal yesterday and everyone was mobbing him, Arteta shouted to Odegaard and called him yeah. over mm. and just in a quick exchange, exchange of words. And then Odegaard goes out and he's, he's very much that team's conductor. Um, and I think he will have a big say in how this team deals with mentally. But let's, let's give him some credit for yesterday in those last sort of four or five minutes. It was a bit nervy. Dug mm. in, got through it. Um, I think I'd forgotten how nervy the Emirates can get. Um, yeah. You know, which is just completely natural because <laughs> the team's seeing out a one 0 win, so and everyone everyone can get nervous. But yeah, this is this is a this is a good mental test. I think these Burnley away is just a tough place to go. North London derby, um, and on, then yeah. finishing Brighton away, which is normally a place that Arsenal don't have many good trips to. So yeah, I think we're going to find out. And perhaps the only benefit you do have with new arrivals is that they don't have any scars from previous you know regimes or failed races for top four they are fresh and they come in with their own view on it so that is something that is changed the the chemistry and element of the dressing room will change over this season and over the coming seasons mm. and actually two two of the most important things i find in a football team in a club uh two things that dictate winners and losers is number one the mentality and number two the tactical nous um, and the philosophy that the coach will dictate to its team. Um, now, Arteta has these group of players that he's wanted and he has got a lot of criticism um, up until this point, actually, even now, about not having a style of play and not having a clear philosophy. Um, did we see, you know, any any signs of what his... I mean, I feel like I'm one of very few fans who can see what Arteta wants to do on the pitch mm. um, but most kind of you know get frustrated with the fact that it is constantly Tierney running down the wings um, trying to get those balls into the box and I remember you know last season when we I think either drew or lost to Spurs and we had you know a crazy amount of crosses coming into the box and uh, the post-match interview was well you know statistically if you get X amount of balls into the box, you're, <laughs> you know, you're likely to create some form of opportunities. And, you know, mm. I remember trying that like, almost pulling out my hair, listening to that kind of response. But um, from then up until now, it, has there been a shift in the style of play that he's trying to dictate? Um, I mean, I can see it with Odegaard and Sambi coming in straight away. I can see a more direct path to creating goals. Um, but there, there is still that reliance on having Tierney running down the down the left uh, left hand side, which isn't a bad thing because it works. And so, if it works, you shouldn't, you know, need to try and fix it. But how long is that going to work for? And is that sort of the only route that we go go for? What do you think? Did you did you notice anything different yesterday? Uh, yes, certainly some elements were different. I mean, I think. I mean, Arteta's style when he came in was ultimate pragmatism, you know, 3-4-3, compact, structured, disciplined team, hit teams Mm -hmm. on the counter, Aubameyang's route ball, bang, there you go, that's how we get in. And that was very easy to see. I think after that, you could perhaps criticise him for almost skipping through phases of the rebuild too much. And I think what he wants to play is a sort of 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, possession-based style of football, where you keep the ball and then open teams up. But where I feel they haven't had the players to do is what the Arsenal of old were great at doing, what City are great at doing, which is when you get to that 
point where you're keeping the ball, you then have those two, three passes where you go bang, 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 and you open the team up. Arsenal would get to this issue last season, particularly with Tierney, where it's basically just a horseshoe and no one is playing that forward incisive pass. A, because they haven't got the confidence to. B, maybe they haven't got the ability to. Um, and what I saw yesterday was moments where, you know, they would go through the transitions quicker because Lukonga would get it and he would look to turn and he would play, you know, he'd play that pass forward through the line to Odegaard. He wouldn't play it sideways to the fullback. And it happens before where Maitland-Niles sometimes is a bit too sideways, Elneny a bit too sideways. I think now you're getting players who will play through the lines, which is key. And there was a moment, I think in the first half, I think it was given offside in the end where Odegaard got it, span, hit a Bamiang over the top, mm. in behind, good save by Krul. But we haven't seen that pass for, I don't know, six, six, seven months maybe. But that is what I think you will now get to see. It will still be a possession-based team. But when the pace needs to move, needs to shift, you've got Odegaard, you've got Lukonga, you've got Party, And Party was a great example of that. You know, you look at the goal, yeah. but they eventually score. It's two, three passes and you're in behind them. And that's what I think Arteta hasn't had the players to do or hasn't been able to coach them to do. Is yes, it's fine. We can keep the ball, keep the ball. But when we need to shift that gear and break them down, you need to have the bottle to get the ball and hit that pass through the lines and open them up. And that was a bit of a difference I saw. There was a bit more of them trying that. And that's what I think will come over time. And having, you know, your Odegaards in there, your parties, that should make it, it more achievable. Mm. We saw one, you know, I guess one one third, you could say, of a centre-back partnership with Sambi and Maitland-Niles. Shaka still needs to sit through, is it two games? Two more games? Yeah, so Burnley and Spurs he's going to miss, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, he'll be back in the fold. Um, you've got Partey as well. You've got Elneny as well. What do you think is going to happen when Shaka comes back? Because as 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 much you know as I as I want to believe that uh, Arteta will see Sambi's qualities and you know we'll be able to see this dream partnership of Sambi and Partey playing together and kind of um, excelling in all expectations of what we think what we think they're capable of doing. Um, we know what. Arteta thinks of Shaka. We know how highly he thinks of him as a leader um, and as, as a football player as well. But we as a fan base also know what you get with Shaka. That's not to, that's not to say that he's not a good football player. We know the full package that you get with him. We know the moments of madness that you get with him. We know the frustrating kind of uh, clueless back passes that you get with him. Um, what do you think will will happen when he when he finally comes back um, from suspension yeah I don't think it's going to be um, a Leno Ramsdale type situation where you know Lukonga is bam he's in he's, he's got the shirt back I think you know Arteta is still a huge fan of of Granit Xhaka um, I mean you could see that even to the extent that he could have quite easily after that City red card I think justifiably, you know, had a go at Xhaka in the post-match afterwards and said, you know, he's he's left his team, he's captain on the day, he's left his teammates, he's the one's captain today, sorry, but he's mm. one of the leaders on the pitch, he's left his teammates in the lurch being sent off after half an hour, but he didn't. Um, and that's quite telling, I think, you know, of, of, of how he regards Xhaka and his importance to the team. So I think Xhaka, certainly to start with, will come back in. And to be honest, that party Xhaka combination, when it 
when it had the chance to play together last season, which admittedly wasn't wasn't as much as Arsenal would have liked, it did work. I think it did look like a good a good system. So I think that will go back to being the original midfield too. But Lokonga is really, really giving um, Arteta a headache. And I, I wrote a yeah. piece in it today. You know, football is about taking your opportunities, and they do randomly come. You know, moments, injuries, suspensions. You get your chance. And he really is taking his. Um, and I mean, I, I'm excited to see what him and party looks like. And mm. I think we will probably get it uh, at Turf Moor on Saturday. I think party will start that game with Lukonga to yeah. see how they work as, as a two. But it's exciting, I think, on paper because it looks incredibly dynamic and athletic. And if, if we've moaned about anything about Arsenal's midfield in seasons gone by, it's been lack of mobility and dynamism, which admittedly are Xhaka's flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, he has got strength, but those are his flaws. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens, but I, I can't see Xhaka coming back from suspension not being given the chance to show why he should be be the central midfielder with party. Mm. Uh, I guess I mean I think you know, like I said, you, there are benefits of having Xhaka. There are also um, frustrating realities of having Xhaka as well. But ultimately, with Sambi there, we have got some uh, depth. We have got options now. And rather than, you know, thinking about your strongest starting 11, um, Arteta can now start to focus on looking at who we're playing and how we can cater to playing them. Um, We know we've got Burnley next at Turf Moor. We know it's a very difficult place to go. And that's because... Burnley play a different style of football to most teams in the Premier League. They're very old-fashioned, very aggressive, very bullish. They like to play that long ball forward. Um, and, you know, with players like Barnes and Wood, you know there's going to be a fight in the box. And so having someone like Shaka there um, maybe gives you some benefits in, you know, trying to solidify that midfield, trying to... Uh, slow down the tempo of the game a little bit because sometimes that benefits teams when they're playing against a side who like to play, I guess, the route one football. Um, let's, let's, uh, I guess, summarize away from the Norwich game. Um, I think that we always knew deep down that we were going to get three points. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think this was always going to be a game where we would focus on the performance more than the result. Um, who impressed for you the most? In other words, man of the match. Um, I thought Lukonga was was my man of the match. I just felt like um, his, his willingness to get on the ball and try and you know dictate the play as much as Odegaard was doing that further up the pitch, I think... One thing you, you, you can't ever criticize Xhaka for is his, you know, he will he will demand the ball whenever he whenever he is by that defense. And Lukonga, I felt, did that brilliantly. I thought he was for me the standout player. But I, I thought Ben White was brilliant. Um just offering that ability to play out from the back, which Arsenal haven't always had, made a real difference, look composed, look good on the ball. Um and I think the other player I rated quite highly, I think it was Pepe. I know, I know he didn't get the goal that he probably thought he was going to get when he tried to curl that one in for the, the Aubameyang goal. But I just felt like of all of Arsenal's attackers, he was the one who was causing Norwich problems. He was, a, you know, Brandon Williams had a very good game, I thought, to deal with yeah. him. Mm. Um, but he was constantly trying to get things happening. He was running at players and, you know, he, he does try and make things happen, Pepe. So, 
those are the three that I rated highly. I, th- I thought Lukonga there was man of the match. I thought he just did really well. And I know he came off after about an hour or so. Um, I think that's because he had a slight knock from international duty. But for me, really impressive stuff. And I didn't really know matters about him this summer, as probably most people were like. But from what I've seen, I've been been really impressed for for the amount of money Arsenal paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um well, I mean, I feel like everyone did really well yesterday. Um, I, I'm, I'm quite surprised Bamian got man of the match, actually. I mean, I know he had a pretty good game, um, but I mean, players like Tomiyasu, Sambi, Odegaard, Pepe, those are the players that I was looking at anyway. Um, but it's, it, it's just, it just feels really good to finally get three points and to see us uh, not have zero points in the league table and also to not be in the, in the red zone. Are we, are we still clear of the red zone? I know the, yes, we're still, we're still clear of the red zone. So um, <laughs> that's, that's definitely a good thing. Um, I think we're going to leave it there. Um, three points, one nil to the Arsenal next game against Burnley. Is that going to be another clear three pointer or are we in for a little bit more of a kind of a rocky 90 minutes? Oh, I mean, it's going to be, I'm trying to think of the times I've been up to see Arsenal playing at Burnley. I remember, I remember obviously the game last season with the, uh, the Xhaka pass um, where before that Arsenal had been brilliant. I remember Saka, I think could have scored twice or and they'd started really well. Um, and then it's the game before that. I remember going to, I think it was nil, nil, sort of disciplined defensive performance um, but it's going to be a real real test and, and I, I'm glad that I looked at the team playing yesterday and I looked at Tommy Asu hmm. looked at Ramsdale looked at Party when he came on I thought yeah you've got the um, you've got the characters there who could go to Burnley away and deal with I think what you're going to get there um, I think before I might have been a bit worried about have you got the grit and mentality to do that? I know we spoke about it, obviously, and we're going to see it, but I, I, I'm a bit more confident going into it now, seeing that Arsenal team. Um, I think if this fixture has been reversed and Arsenal were looking for their first win of the season, going to Burnley away, yeah, I would not, would not fancy that. Mm. But I think having it this way around, um, I think there should be a bit more belief in, in that squad. Yeah. And also, I don't think Arteta can afford to lose any more points. Um, if we don't get maximum points between now and who is it after Spurs? Um, Brighton. Brighton. Yeah. If we don't then, get yeah, maximum points. Yeah. 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 So if we don't get maximum points between now and then, do you think the narrative will, well, it hasn't really switched, but do you think um, the pressure on Arteta will increase that little bit more or? Do you think that's it? You know, there's no chance. Um, at the moment, I feel like the pressure is greater externally than internally. I think yeah. the club are really, you know, really determined for for him to succeed. Partly because they they backed this project. You know, they have given. You know, you've got to think of the players they've brought, we, we, we've spoken on this pod, haven't we, about the players they brought in. These are the players Arteta wanted. Him and Edu identified them. If mm. you got rid of Arteta now, you could quite see, conceivably bring a new manager who goes, well, I don't want Aaron Ramsdale. I don't, I don't want Lekonga. I don't want, you know, Ben White. Uh, why have you kept Xhaka? I wouldn't have kept him. They've, you know, they've put mm. this squad of players together. So you've got to give Arteta a decent run of games 
to see how this group of players, you know, performs. And even after one game, you know, on Saturday, all of us are going, actually, yeah, I could see quite, see what, that looks quite good. I'm quite impressed with what we've seen there. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think his, his leash is probably longer than people think. Um, but he is well aware and so you can just see from the quotes he says about the need to get results. And I think as much as we want to see some good performances, I don't think they will have any, you know, if they go to Burnley and absolutely dig in and win one nil again, I don't think Arteta will mind in the least bit because that is what gets, gets people off your back at the moment. If you, the results mm-hmm. are there. So, um, I, I do think this, this run though, I, I think I wrote before is feels like the decisive run, particularly up to this October break, mm-hmm. just because it's going to set the tone. And, and that Spurs game, it's impossible to look past that, isn't it? And you yeah. can go full Emirates, you know, let's say they go to Burnley and, and win AFC Wimbledon in the cup at home. You back them to win that game, and then you yeah. beat Spurs in front of a full crowd. I mean, the momentum swing yeah. that would Big be time. would be huge. And conversely, the momentum swing if you then lost at home to full crowd at Spurs. So, yeah, that's the big one. It's in the middle of this run of games that looks quite nice. Um, so yeah, it's it's an, it's an it's an exciting period. I think it's it's yeah. feels. Um, feels decisive and uh, I'm excited to see how it goes I'm excited to see this group of players and how they react to the situation yeah I don't know why but when you started talking about the Spurs game I had this rush of like (laughs) nerves just running through my body (laughs) it's gonna be one hell of a ride so you know strap in I guess Um, listen Simon I really appreciate your time I really appreciate you coming on it's been a real pleasure talking to you Um, thank you very much for sharing your your knowledge your wisdom um, and also please do continue on with the fantastic work that you and your colleagues are doing thank you no really appreciate you having me on uh, I hope you'll be back on again and maybe we'll be talking about Arsenal being a, a bit higher up the table fingers crossed fingers crossed <laughs> thank you very much Simon thank you and that was Simon Collins. You can find Simon on Twitter at SR underscore Collins. Um, like I said, he writes for the Evening Standard covering Arsenal. Um, and I'm happy to announce that we have got James in the building. So I'm James back. has been relieved from his family duties and he's now ready to join us here on the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. James, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. We just had, we just had, uh, we just spoke off air. It's been ages since we've we've kind of been in the same sort of, you know. I know we speak over WhatsApp, and but we haven't done a podcast in in what seems like forever. Um, mm. And obviously, yeah, I missed the first half because I had some family come over from you know the, the London area, but which I haven't seen because obviously I live in Newcastle. So I, th- I felt that today was a good time. Now they're up here that I can go and see them. So. That's all. That's all been dealt with, and, and they're all good. So I've had a good day, and now it's time to get back to back to business and talk about time. Arsenal. Yes, and what a time to talk about them because we have registered we won a game. The goal. We not only have won a game, we managed to score a goal, which obviously have to do in order to win a game. But we've also got three points on the table. Yes, and we're off the bottom of the relegation zone, man. There you go. Uh, and Nic- Nicola Pepe put out a, a post on Instagram. Um, I, I think satirically, satirically saying um, we're staying up or something like that. Um, yeah, I saw that. And yesterday I saw a TikTok um, 
from I think it was Ben.afc he's like an Arsenal account and he, he's doing pretty well for himself on on TikTok and he made a you know he made a little bit of a um, uh, a jibe towards Pepe with a, don't don't be so disrespectful to my club mm. <laughs> because and then he took it down after that comment was 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 sent to him so I think uh, uh, Ben had a little bit of, of things to do with that but he, you know what I think it you know it's we need we've needed something um, to go our way and I think yesterday it did thank God. Um, and I, I don't think Pepe meant anything by it. I just think it because it's, it's the topic of conversation. Everyone's being funny and going, oh, you're going down. And um, I don't really want to put that on Pepe. I just think that's just a, a lack of mistaken judgment. Yeah. Um, because I don't think he'd, he'd mean anything by that or, or be disrespectful towards the club uh, in that way. I may be wrong. Maybe, maybe it is like that, but I, I, I just can't see it. But yeah, happy that we got the win and happy that we can can finally move forward with a little bit of optimism. How, how did you, I mean, I don't know if you heard during the game, Arteta was asked about it as well, but the fan base were also singing, we're staying up or something like that. Um, yeah. Kind I of that. Chanting it in, I don't know, like a jokey kind of way. Um, what, how do you feel when you hear fans? Obviously it is a joke and obviously we are taking the piss yeah. out of ourselves, but yeah. what's your kind of instant reaction when you hear something like that? Is it a big deal? Do we need to be upset about it? Or uh, I don't think we need to be upset, but you know, there is always this, I don't want to say this in the back of your head because we've had such a bad start to the season. And if it was to continue how it's been continuing, who knows what could happen? So that's the, you know, it's not necessarily a joke because you see like Leeds United had this wonderful stint in the Premier League years ago and then they were relegated. They were playing Champions League football in the Premier League, you know, top top six, top top ten, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then a few years, a few years later, they were relegated to the Championship and hadn't come up until uh, last season. So, you know, these things can happen in football, but I just pray and hope it doesn't happen to us. But obviously, Arsenal, Arsenal fans and football fans will will chant these things and, and be funny. You know, it's just the banner that football fans have. So, um, again, I don't think you know we should be worried about it. I don't think I don't think we'll go down. I don't expect us to go down. And um, yeah, I just think it's I think it's the topic of the, I just think it's the topic of the moment, isn't it? We've had such a bad start to the season, bottom of the league. Worst start since I think 1923 or something like that. Um, and not even registered to go in three games. So there is definitely some banter and and, and, yeah. and some jokes thrown our way. But I think, you know, now's the time that we, we we shut them up and we deal with it. I mean, well, the reason why I asked, I guess, is because not 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 to um dismiss the fact that Arsenal could be relegated. We shouldn't be joking about something like that, something that could happen, but it's more um I don't know, shifting the conversation in the direction of the club's kind of mental state mentality, or, yeah, or, or the way that we we are kind of painting ourselves in the public or in the footballing community. Do we need to be humiliating ourselves like this? Or is it the case that um, we just kind of, you know, join the bandwagon and just, laugh at ourselves because there's nothing more we can do at this point I mean we have laughed you know I, I've, I've been laughing 
and um, you know, trying to make trying to make light of it. I've I've had people trying to banter me and go, oh, but the league, da, 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 da. yeah, you know, I'll tell I'll tell is this, I'll tell is that, and and trying to laugh it off as a joke. So mm. um, I, I'm sure many Arsenal fans and and, and they have been taking take making fun of it, and you know, while we're in this position, but I think now now is the time that we've we've got a win on the board. Our season started yesterday, and that's another thing. When people say, oh, our season starts at Norwich, da, 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 da. they're not wrong. Our season started yesterday. And uh, now we have to, you know, now we have to, um, now we have to really, really chase after it because we're, we are severely lacking behind. And now it's time to pick up the pace. I even saw, <laughs> I even saw a tweet from someone that said, oh, we've given, uh, we've given everyone a three, three game head start and now we're going to win everything, <laughs> uh, which obviously is very, uh, is very, very, off the mark and it's not it's not the case um, but uh, yeah I'm just hoping that now we can put a run together with these games that we have quite favourable quite favourable as well uh, that we can really put a run together and, and get up the, get up that table as quick as possible and get this club where, where it needs to be yeah I, I, um, I had a bit of difficulty as well um, watching the game yesterday I think I missed like the first 10-15 minutes so um, I have vowed to watch the game again to properly analyse it but um, from what I can remember it was a performance like I was saying to Simon it was a very impressive performance and maybe not not one that was reflected on the scoreline um, give me your reaction to that performance to that 90 minutes of football I mean, for me, I had to, I had to do, I try, you know, I obviously now everyone's going back to the stadium. You have like the blackout has been reimposed in, on three, three o'clock games. So three o'clock games. So I've seen people go, oh, where is it available on TV? This, that and the other. Obviously it's not. Uh, there are some ways you can watch it, obviously, but we, I don't think we can, you know, we don't really, get, I don't, I don't really want to say watch it in that way because it's really not supposed to happen, but if that's what you do, that's what you do, if you know what I mean. Um, but, um, yeah, I tried to listen to as much as I could on the radio and and try and, and read as much as, and read as much as I can, because you see people do, you know, uh, commentaries, like text commentaries and stuff like that. Um, and just the way uh, the the it was described to me on the radio, um, we started really, 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 really well, and I've, I've, you know, I've got people on Twitter that were at the game. Uh, they said they said we started like a house on fire. Uh, Tommy Asu uh, looks brilliant. Um, he started really well. I think he got man of the match yesterday as well. So, yeah, I it was difficult because obviously I you you when you're not watching when you're not actually watching the game and you can't see what's happening, it's difficult to, you know really put your finger on what, what 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 we did well and what we so I was just literally going off people's texts and and and, and people on the radio but it seemed like we had a bit uh, a really good performance uh, but again we sort of tired tied in the second half it seemed and um but you know what we got the goal and we got the job done so Mm. what more um, do you want yeah look the most important thing for me was a performance and the three points so yeah they did both of that i would have preferred to have seen a few more goals but unfortunately yeah. we weren't clinical enough in the final third which is a disappointing kind of reality of what we know of arsenal what we've seen and witnessed of arsenal for a while now we are known to be a side that can play really nice uh possession type of possession type football we do generate a lot of goal scoring opportunities 
but for whatever reason, it just doesn't work out in the box uh, in the yeah. final third for us. You know, credit has to be given to Norwich for being quite disciplined, resilient at the back because um, I think their back line were really quite, they were sticking quite tight to the likes of Aubameyang, Saka as well, Pepe, um, not really giving them too much time and space to be given the freedom to either shoot or to run, uh, make direct runs. Um, Having said that, there were, you know, a few players making their debut or not not a few um there were actually yeah there were a few players that were making a couple of players a couple of players who were making their premier league debut um one Aaron Ramsdale and obviously um Tommy Asu what did you think yep. of Ramsdale what, oh. what did you think of Arteta's decision to to start Ramsdale and go ahead of Leno because this isn't the Carabao Cup this is the premier league so that is quite a big statement to make isn't it Incredible. I tell you what, I was out shopping at the time. Um, I was out shopping at the time and I got the team news on my phone and I was in the middle of the shop and I just literally, my jaw dropped. I was like, what is this from Arteta, you know, dropping Leno, you know? The the so-called mainstay of the Arsenal side has always been Leno. He's always been there. And to see him out the side dropped and on the bench... For this new, you know, up and coming goalkeeper, you know, who had a good, had a very good game in, in the Carabao Cup, and he's now starting in the Premier League. And I was, I was like, what? What am I seeing? Like, is this is this real? Is this a fake lineup? You know, has someone been, you know, has someone played some games? And but clearly, it's not the case. And obviously, uh, he did start, and I was very surprised and, and very happy because I think it's about time. And I, I do think now he will be the one that uh, will go forward. I don't think this is just, you know, let's try him for one game and let's see how he does. I think this is, you know, I can, I, I think I, I, you could now start to consider Aaron Ramsdale as Arsenal's current number one. You know, I think it's that, I think it's that much of a, that much of a, that much of a, you know. Yeah, that's interesting because I think that, I think, Hello? Hello? Yeah, sorry, mate. I think the internet kind of cut out for a second there, but you're back now. Yeah, sorry. Did you hear what I just said? And it, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, so I just think, you know, Aaron Ramsdale could could now be considered as our number one um, mm. because I don't see any way back for them. I don't see why you would take Leno out, start Ramsdale, but in the next game against Burnley, put Leno back in. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, to me, anyways, it might to, to somebody else, but I really believe now that Ramsdale's got the got got the got the you know he's got a taste in the Premier League and he did pretty well with a clean sheet. Um, you know that that's a real positive considering how many goals we've conceded over the last uh, four games uh, or three games because we didn't concede in in, in the Norwich game. Um, and it's a it's a it's a statement from Arteta as you said because you know Arteta has his back against the wall. People were saying that. If he if he lose if he lost to Norwich, that would be game over. So he's made the calls, and he's made the calls he has to make. He's made the hard decision that that he has to make as manager, and he has to keep making these hard decisions decisions because that's what a manager should, manager should do in these times. And uh, I think he got that one right yesterday. And uh, it was good to see Tommy Asu start. I didn't expect to see Tommy Asu start. I, I, I have to admit, I thought he might have been on the bench because I think they only got a work permit. Yeah, yeah uh, literally a couple of days before. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday or Friday. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so they only got a work permit for him. 
But no, straight in the side. And uh, he did pretty well. I think uh, he won all of his aerial duels in that first half. Mm. Um, so he looks a tank, to be fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, really happy to see how he gets on. And I'm really happy to see Ramsdale in the starting lineup. Mm. Yeah. Um, in terms of Ramsdale, I think um, that... Uh, I mean, I made the point when we signed him. The only nation to... Uh, pay so much money for him would be um, because he's ultimately going to be replacing Burnt Leno. You know, we've been hearing whispers of Leno not signing a contract extension, um, potentially going to be leaving the club next season. And I guess that explains why we've got Ramsdale in. And the mm-hmm. reasons to the reasons um, and the decisions, the decision to play him in the Carabao Cup and now against Norwich kind of further back that explanation up so um i would yeah. be surprised to see him playing against starting against burnley um i i do think that arteta will premier league appearances this season i think this season is more of a kind of settling down season for him if that makes sense yeah it's, i get i get what you mean more of a season yeah, it's kind of more of a season to get him up to speed with everything, try and um, try and get him ready so that when Leno eventually leaves, we, we're not just putting a ton of bricks on his shoulders and it's just kind of a, 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 a transition that has been made as organically and as seamlessly as possible, which is sure. you know, what any player, what, what every player needs. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I think, you know, the back four yesterday that we saw were a taste of what's to come in the next yeah, few seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. I think all four all four players have only come to Arsenal in the last two seasons. Is that right? Um, it started with uh, Emery uh, uh, purchasing uh, Tierney, Gabriel, and now Arteta has got Holding and... Not Holding, sorry. White and Tommy White and Tomiyasu, exactly. So um, a, a very kind of mature, not mature, sorry, a very amateur, um, very premature kind of backline, but one that looks good. One that looks good. One that, yeah, one that is, you know, I wouldn't, I would use probably the word work in progress, you know. Um, you know, they, they, they are, they, they do look good and they, you know, they just have to be used in the right way. We've seen all these players, you know, um, for instance, Ainsley Metten-Niles started, um, yesterday and he started in midfield. Uh, and that's what, apparently that's where he's always wanted to play. Um, and not in, I think he did go back to right back when Tommy Asu went off, but you know, that back four looks promising and now we have everyone back and we don't have everyone Touchwood suffering, suffering from any more COVID issues, or you know, I think Ben White was had another illness. Um, yeah, um, I think we'll we'll be good, and we have the back four. Uh, apart from Partey, start a Partey didn't start. It was Sammy Lakonga, and Jack is obviously suspended. Uh, I think that's the team you you should expect to see in the coming games. Hmm. I think that is our full strength. I think that is our full strength lineup, barring. Yeah. Not starting Partey because he just did. He just had to come back, so it's kind yeah. of understandable. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, I think I haven't been ex- this excited about a back four since the days of Koscielny, Murtasaka, uh, Monreal, and Bellerin at his prime. So it is a very exciting time to watch this back four kind of morph into supposedly what is supposedly supposed to be the next kind of you know Arsenal backline that is going to be together for a very long time. Very young as well. I think they're all under yeah. 24. Uh, Tierney's the oldest, who's, I think he's 24 now. Uh, the rest are, you know, 20, 22, 23. Um, not to forget, not to mention, you know, Tavaj, who's what, 20, 21. And then you've got yeah. Ramsdale, who's, o- who's only 23. But I think one thing they've got in common that I've, that I noticed yesterday, one common trait is how experienced they already look um, because they do have experience. They have a lot of experience, you know, Ramsdale, the number of Premier League experience he's got. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, Tomiyasu, international experience playing in uh, Serie A with um, someone like Ben White. He's already got Premier League experience with Brighton. He's got English football experience with not English football, but just um, English league football with Leeds and under Bielsa. Um, with Tierney, he's already got Premier League experience. He's been winning trophies with Celtic. He's got international experience with um, Celtic and Gabriel, who's got plenty of Premier League experience. So this is this is a backline with not only experience but talent, ability, composure. And we saw that yesterday. They look like they know what they're doing. If you was to stick Holding and Mari and Chambers back there, there would be a lot of concerns. You know, I would be scared to see the ball being passed back to Holding, Mari or Chambers. Yeah. With your respect to them, it's just the way that I feel when they have the ball is different compared to how I felt yesterday watching uh, ben White holding, no, sorry, not holding. I keep getting holding and Gabriel Mistake. I don't know why. Um, White, Gabriel, Tomiyasu, and Tierney. Um, let's talk about the, just quickly, let's talk about the central midfield pairing. Arteta decided mm-hmm. to go with Lokonga and uh, Maitland Niles. This is a first. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, he was the last name I expected to be in the starting lineup. But what did you think of them? I thought they, I, from what I've seen, you know, I've, I've since seen highlights and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think they did pretty well. Um, uh, I think Sambi is just a breath of fresh air. I think he has been from day one, even though we've been losing games. There's always, there's always, you've always come out of the games we have played or, or the games, we, yeah, we haven't done so well and gone. You know what? That Sambi Lokonga looks decent. You know what he's been what, doing. What is it? What is it about Sambi that Shaka and Elneny haven't been able to bring to the table for the last God knows however long they've been at the club for? Probably. Oh, I don't. Uh, probably. You know the ability to be calm under pressure. I think. And you know Sambi is. You know he's just so calm and so collected. He can you know do a bit of skill. Can just pass it freely and. You know, can can pick a pass, can do it over the top, can do anything, do anything he wants to. Basically, he's that you know, he's that creative and that calm. He can just pop it around like nobody's business. And I think Xhaka and you know, Xhaka and um, did you say on on any or Parse? Yeah, yeah, Xhaka, um, Xhaka just you know because when Xhaka's on the ball, he tends to pass it backwards. Same with on any. 
and all that. He tends to pass it backwards and be kind of slow and, you know, and that that causes the fans to get on his back. And then with Sambi, I just think it's kind of a bit more snappy and a bit more to the point. Um, and he delivers as well. More often than not, his, his balls get, his, you know, his um, passes get to where they need to be and, and, and his balls get to the player that he needs to go to. So, yeah, I'm very happy with um, Sambi. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, uh, I mean, the the like I said, the victory itself was only a goal. Um, we yeah. managed to keep a clean sheet. We go yeah. to Burnley now. Is it going to be game. easy for us? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but yesterday I didn't. I didn't feel like Norwich were ever going to get in the game. I didn't think that they were ever going to cause us many problems. There were moments in the game where Arsenal kind of put the foot off the gas and allowed Norwich to kind of play a bit of football and cause us some problems in the final third. But I just didn't feel like that they were going to score or that they were going to win. I think there was enough quality for us to beat them, um, especially yesterday with the kind of starting lineup that we we presented. But against Burnley. Um, I I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more nervous and reserved about that. Yeah, see, same, there is man. there is there is no there is no other result other than three points. I believe anyway against. But I know it's at Turf Moor. But at this point, having lost the first three games, we need to win the next four or five games. So, um, do you? How easy do you think we're going to make it for ourselves against Burnley? And is it going to be know, as clear cut against as as we made it look against Norwich? I don't think it is because you in the past Burnley have been known to have this looking aggressive mean sort of style of play they don't they don't give a shit they just want to win they just want to play football and uh, win by any means necessary and they will do any means necessary even if it means you know a bad tackle here and there you know I don't I know in the past uh, Burnley have been Burnley style of football has been questioned by the media and other other fans and pundits and stuff like that. So they will make it hard and um and it's away from home, tough more's a tough place to go. But you know what? The only people that can can change the outcome and can and play well from the first whistle is us. And you know, if we come out like we did against Norwich and play like we did in the first half against Norwich against Burnley and actually put some put some passes together and get some goal get some goals in the first half and keep keep on keep uh, keep our foot on the the pedal so to speak i think i think we'll get some a few goals and hopefully close out the win we were we were quite fortunate that uh, norwich were allowing us to play some really good football and one thing i noticed in the game was how comfortable we looked playing out from the back and that's all credit to the boys at the back because i think they did a, a fantastic job of you know kind of enticing Norwich to press and then being able to beat the press um, to then progress and build up build up that attacking play. Um, it's going to be tough to play that style of football against Burnley. Do you think Arteta has now figured out um, how to cater his team against the opposition in front of him because he can he can get away with playing like that against um against Norwich but to play mm. against someone like Burnley an aggressive side who will by no means allow Arsenal that much space or time by no means play nice it will be very physical and it will be very kind of 
I guess, more more of an aerial battle than it will be on ground. Um, do you think that we we have it within our um, in within our changing room to, I guess, switch up the different style of plays? No, I hope so because I hope these two weeks have have been a have been a learning curve for the team, but also in in heavily on Mikel Arteta because you know what he needed to change something, um, and I think he he would have done a lot of thinking over these last two weeks hmm. individually um, about himself as a manager um, because you know there's no there's, there's no secret you know I'm a big fan of Mikel Arteta you know that I've. I've made that clear on other various channels as well. Um, that he needs, he does have, you know, some issues that need to be ironed out. And so would any, you know, uh, manager going into their first job, especially being asked. So it's a, it's a very high, pro, high profile job. Uh, and I think he would need, he needed to sort some things out, you know, because he, I don't know, you know, the way he approaches teams, the way he, you know, sets up his team. I think, he would have definitely worked on that over the over the next two weeks in pre- in preparation for the Norwich game and and more so the season ahead as we move forward. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, it no was, worries, mate. It, it was a great victory. Well, it was a great performance. Um, a three points nonetheless and we now look forward to the next few games the Burnley's Wimbledon and the North London Derby which is going to be a big one so Arteta has a very very critical month ahead of him Um, I'm confident that he will see it through hopefully if we don't get any more if we don't face any more kind of covid related absence or any injuries of any sorts i think we have enough to beat um burnley um wimbledon and tottenham i do um and even brighton after that um so yeah it's going to be it's going to be really interesting and um you know we are going to be strapped in and uh, ready for the ride. Uh, I want to say, um, I want to say, a massive thank you to everybody who has listened to this show, to this episode. Thank you very much. If you did enjoy it, please do give us a five star review on Apple Podcast. Um, if you want to reach out to us to give us your thoughts, give us any opinions that you have anything that any kind of comments that you want to make on this show um or you just want to reach out to us you can do on twitter so you can find me on twitter at gunner since 96 you can find james at james pain afc and you can also find our um official twitter page at arse therapy pod uh we've got a website that will be posting blogs on soon we'll be we'll start to blog soon uh you can find that on www.thearsenaltherapypodcast.com no it's not the arsenal therapy podcast is it it's the arsenal therapy pod i really need to start remembering these things um it it will come in time man it'll come in time um is it the arsenal therapy pod or is it the arsenal the arsenal the arsenal therapy pod.com yeah pod.com it is isn't it Yes. Yes. Is perfect. Okay, good. Uh yeah, keep keep um supporting us the way that you're doing. It's been really overwhelming. And 
yeah, we will be back for another episode next week following the Burnley. And I'll be here from the start this time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And James will be here from the start to break it all down for you. Um, once, once again, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you after the Burnley game. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.